Laura Hawk was a house divided, all by herself. Her brother was Brady Quinn, and her boyfriend was A.J. Hawk. Now, Brady Quinn was the quarterback for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and A.J. Hawk was a linebacker for THE Ohio State University. All year long, she cheered for her brother when the Irish played, and she cheered for her boyfriend when the Buckeyes played. But as both of the team's seasons neared the end, it looked like they might actually play each other in 2006, and they did. On January 2nd, 2006, the number six ranked Irish played the number four ranked Buckeyes in the Fiesta Bowl, and Laura was caught right in the middle. She could choose a side. She was with Brady all his life because he was her younger brother. Wear his jersey, cheer for him. But she had fallen in love. A different kind of love than brother's sister. She was dating AJ. So wear his jersey, cheer for him. But she couldn't choose a side. So she wore both of their jerseys in one mixed and matched, mashed up, brother-boyfriend Irish Buckeyes jersey. When her brother made a play on offense for the Irish, the camera cut to Laura. And when her boyfriend made a play for the Buckeyes on defense, the camera cut to Laura. And her blue and white, scarlet and gray, Irish Buckeyes jersey. Brady wore number 10. AJ wore number 47. So Laura wore Brady's 1 and AJ's 7 for some Frankenstein-looking 17. For the entire game, she cheered for her brother and boyfriend until the boyfriend sacked the brother twice, and the camera panned to Laura, who clearly had an issue with her boyfriend being so rough on her baby brother. Her heart was torn in two as both very talented teams battled it out for four quarters in the Fiesta Bowl. When the clock finally ticked its final second away in the fourth quarter, Laura's boyfriend's Buckeyes beat her baby brother's Irish 34-20. to but the entire game, played 18 years ago, is still remembered for the one day one woman wore one jersey to show she cheered for both teams as a house divided in her own heart. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to A House Divided on Simplify. The house of Israel was united, but not for long. Solomon was nearing the end of his life and reign. He had reigned as king for forty years, but you could feel rebellion brewing. Everyone knew they were going to crown a new king soon. But who? Solomon had a son named Rehoboam who looked like royal material. Royal Rehoboam. King Rehoboam. Had a nice ring to it. But God knew once Israel's third king drew his last breath, Israel would revolt and divide. Solomon also had a servant named Jeroboam, not the same as Rehoboam and not related to Rehoboam. This could get very confusing. The prophet Ahijah and Solomon's servant Jeroboam were alone in a field one day, and Ahijah tore his clothes into twelve pieces and gave ten of the pieces to Jeroboam. But because God was faithful to keep his word to David that he would always have a king to sit on Israel's throne, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, would reign over one tribe. The bill for all of Solomon's idolatry was coming due. Solomon was a house divided, and because of all of his idol worship, soon the nation he loved would be a house divided. When Solomon heard about Ahijah's prophecy, 
He tried to assassinate Jeroboam to keep Israel's united kingdom united. But Jeroboam ran for his life to Egypt and stayed there until after Solomon's funeral. Just as Ahijah prophesied, Rehoboam was the next in line to sit on Israel's throne as king. Jeroboam heard Solomon was gone. The coast was clear, so he came back to Israel. And he and much of Israel set an appointment to meet with their new king. Solomon was wise, wiser than anyone who had ever lived in those 4,000 years of Old Testament history. And Solomon was godly sometimes. But he was a tough king. He worked and taxed Israel heavily. Israel was hoping his son would be kinder than his wise old dad, sage Solomon. Jeroboam drafted his speech on the day he and Rehoboam met. Rehoboam wanted to know what he wanted to talk about. Jeroboam started. Your dad was a hard master. Ouch! Not exactly the way to win friends and influence people there, Jeroboam. Why don't you lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes he laid on us, and we will serve you for life. Rehoboam liked the last part, but he wasn't so sure about the first part. Lighten up? Won't everyone see him as weak? Was his dad really that bad? Rehoboam got some of his dad's wisdom that leaders today still learn from. He didn't have an answer right away, so rather than make one up, he asked for three days to mull it over. Wise Rehoboam, so far so good. Then he won up to his own wisdom when he called for his counselors so he could mull it over with them. I'm pretty proud of Rehoboam. He called for the counselors who counseled King Solomon, and he asked them, What's your advice? They looked at one another and grinned. Well, this wise apple has fallen pretty close to the tree. Hey, the people are right, King Rehoboam. If you answer them kindly, lighten up on them, and show you care about them, they will follow you forever. He really loved that last part, but he wasn't sure about the first part. If I lighten up, they'll run over me. At least, that's what he read in some of the leadership books in the library. Then, the apple rolled down the hill toward the muddy river far from the tree, and Rehoboam called for some of his buddies. He'd played ball and dueled with these guys when they were young. They grew up together. They were about the same age. And he asked them the same question. He asked the older counselors who had already counseled a king. What do you guys think I should do? They laughed. Lighten up? Are they serious? Who do they think you are? This is a monarchy, and you, my friend, are the monarch. They do what you say, and they pay what you say. I'd tell them this. If you thought my dad was tough, you ain't seen nothing yet. And use bad grammar. It always makes you sound tougher. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. He laid heavy burdens on you, sure, but I'm going to crush you with even heavier. He whipped you with whips. I'm going to whip you with scorpions. I don't even know how you do that. But, boy, it sounds mean, doesn't it? You scare him, Rehoboam. You'll lead them. Scared people. They'll do what you tell them. What's Rehoboam to do? The older say lighten up. The younger say toughen up. What should he do? He should do what he should have done in the first place. He should ask God what he should do. He has three days. But he didn't. He marinated on everyone's counsel for three days. And on that third day, 
Jeroboam and his entourage of Israel returned for Rehoboam's answer. You could feel the frost forming. He was colder than three days earlier. He scowled at Jeroboam and the Israelites who dared ask him for less work and lower taxes. You came to me three days ago asking me to lighten up. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Everyone waited. The older, the younger. Jeroboam. Israel. They all waited to see if it would get better in Israel, stay the same, or, heaven forbid, get even worse. My dad was tough on you. Nods all around. I remember that. But I'll be even tougher. He laid heavy burdens on you. I'll crush you with even heavier. You thought it was tough then? Oh, that's a parade compared to what I'm going to do to you. He beat you with whips. I'll beat you with scorpions. The youngers looked at Rehoboam. They laughed. He laughed. An evil, maniacal laugh. Israel was indeed a monarchy, but in the back of the elders' minds was a hijist prophecy that God was going to tear the kingdom from David's house and give it to Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was standing right there with most of Israel right there with him. The people turned on David's grandson, Rehoboam. They even turned on David. They shouted, down with the dynasty of David. Israel, go to your own homes. Rule your own homes. We don't need David. We don't need his spoiled sons. Rehoboam jumped into his chariot and fled to Jerusalem, fearful for his own life. And the people gathered around Jeroboam and crowned him king. And one day, with one unthinkably foolish decision, Israel divided. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. Ten tribes in the north, one in the south. God's own people was now a house, a kingdom, a nation divided. And it all happened when a young king rejected the advice of the older counselors and listened to the voice of his buddies. This sad story is scribed in Scripture partly as a cautionary tale to be careful to the voices we listen to. None of us know what to do all the time, so thankfully God has given us prayer because He knows what to do all the time. And He has graciously given us one another. But when you are making a major decision that will affect your life and others, ask God for direction and ask godly men and women who have shown themselves faithful to God for direction. Ask them what Rehoboam asked the older counselors. What do you think I should do? When I was still pastoring, I was dealing with a tough situation in our local church, and I did not know what to do. I had been on staff at the church for 14 years, and I had been pastor there for four years. But I still did not know what to do. As far as I could see, there was no real right or wrong answer for my question. Just there was a good way to handle it and a better way. I prayed for direction because God knows the way I take and the way I should take. And I felt like God gave me some general direction, but I also called a pastor who had already walked where I was about to walk. I don't know how he handled the same situation, but I knew he would steer me clear of danger because he knew where the pitfalls and potholes were on the road I was just starting to walk. And steer me clear he did. No matter how long you've been walking with God, someone has been walking longer and someone has been walking closer. When you don't know what to do, pray, talk to God, read God's word, 
very good chance that what you're about to decide has been settled already in the Word of God. Somebody has gone through what you're going through. But if you need to talk to somebody here, find somebody who has faithfully walked with God and who has already walked where you are about to walk and ask them what you should do. They'll tell you. All you have to do is listen. I want to pray right now for the Lord to help us to avoid making the same disastrous mistake Rehoboam made and listen first to God and secondly to godly men and women. Lord, I thank you today. You know the way we should take. You know exactly what we are going through. You know exactly where we are, where we're headed, how to get there. But we don't. We don't know what to do in every situation, especially in those times when there's no right or wrong answer. And we need to know exactly what you want us to do. God, I pray we come to you. We seek you. We ask you for your help. And also surround us, Lord, and help us to surround ourselves with godly men and women, people who have already walked where we are walking, and help us to hear and heed their counsel. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the church. Thank you for brothers and sisters. Thank you for pastors and preachers. Thank you for teachers. Thank you for godly men and women who have already gone through what we're going through. God, give us the humility and give us the courage to hear what they have to say, to hear what you have to say, and to do what you and to do what they are counseling us to do. I ask you this today, and I thank you for it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Simplify listeners. Love that you're a part of this podcast. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share, and let others know about Simplify. Also, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com just as soon as you're done with this podcast and check out some resources I would love for you to get, especially this Christmas time of year if you're wondering, hmm, what should I get for them? If they haven't already gotten the devotional Simplify or Ten Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments, or Blessed Are, a practical look at the Beatitudes. Those three books are available right there on PentecostalPublishing.com, and I would love for you to pick those up for yourself or for others. And if you use promo code SIMPLIFY as a gift to you, you'll get 10% off your entire order the first time you use that promo code. So three books I've written, would love for you to get, check out, give to others as a gift. Thanks to you, listening and sharing. We are Less than a 1,000 downloads away from 175,000 all-time downloads. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making Simplify part of your devotional life. Next week, we continue this journey. And I want to share with you an episode called 850 to 1. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.